0: Okay, so we're back. Okay, I don't hear anything. Hello, mm-hmm. I, you know, I hear you. I don't. Hello, hello, hello. I do hear
1: me. Well, I mean, I can. I hear it. You're here because you're. I can see you. Yeah. I can see you. Yeah. We are recording. <clears throat> okay. All right, we're back. No, you're you're, you're wait.
0: Okay, good. Okay. Okay, that's better than what you just did. Whatever you did, just keep doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Open Kitchen.
1: Open Kitchen, this is great. Um, This is Chef Olive from Kitchen on Fire in Berkeley.
0: And I'm James Melgren from Cucamonga. Well, actually, I'm not from Cucamonga. But no, he's not. We are from Berkeley, Berkeley, California. We are in the heart of the gourmet ghetto. And
1: we're going to talk food. And you know what? Even if you don't have fun.
0: We have fun. And that's really all that matters. But we're here because we care.
1: <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome
0: to Open Kitchen. Welcome to the world premiere.
1: Does premiere means first? Yes. Okay.
0: Yes. This is the very first one. We are in the heart of the gourmet ghetto here in Berkeley, California, and we're here to talk about food. There'll be no politics <laughs> on this show. We're gonna stick strictly to sex and religion. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, food.
1: Food and. <laughs> yeah,
0: food and drinks. Well, those are our religions, and they come very close to sex. What's this show about? It's about food, it's about of course. Food. <laughs> yeah, we've been collecting these questions for the last 10 years at Kitchen on Fire, which is oh a cooking God. school here in Berkeley.
1: So the way we've done that is we collected from in evaluation form. At the end of the class, there is a little form that you don't fill up. And in there, there's a question that says, ask the chef. And we've been collecting those questions for 10 years. And uh, James and I- They're were... getting
0: pretty tired of waiting.
1: <laughs> I hope they're still alive. Some of them are. Most of them.
0: Some of the older ones might not be alive. <laughs> <The> old... <laughs> yeah. But we hopefully have... their offspring will be listening and they can get the answer.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. So we've been collecting those questions and uh, James and I were looking at them and, and some of them are really...
0: And laughing, f- are, and and laughing. I mean, uh, I mean uh, <laughs> we were considering
1: laughing. them very seriously. Some of them are really funny, some are stupid, some are just uh, uncool. And regardless, we're going to we're gonna treat them because... Uh, because we really have no life and this is what <laughs> we do. We have nothing else to do. We like it. We like it.
0: And the questions range from... A lot of them were uh, of a personal nature, like how did you, why did you choose to become a chef? How did you start cooking? What's your favorite type of food? Some of them are more in in terms of technique, like what are the most important techniques to learn first? Uh, what is mise en
1: place? What are bitter almonds? What is uh, haricot vert? And uh, what is an enhanced chicken? I mean, there's a bunch of boxers or briefs. Yeah. Yeah, Coke or Pepsi? Do you smoke a little weed before you start cooking? I say, why little? I say, why wait? Right. But seriously, what, how do you cook for vegan food? I think was. Uh, well, vegan food is a big subject.
0: Yeah. What do you? What's your advice for vegan right. cooks?
1: Stop being vegan.
0: Stop being vegan. Yeah.
1: No, we we will we'll tweet that. What's Actually, we imp- have vegan classes that are really awesome.
0: What's the most important thing about sushi? Well, don't overcook it. <laughs> so these are the kinds of questions. They're about technique, about ingredients, about... Uh, some of them are about health and and dieting, which we're not going to get into heavily in this show, but we do have some opinions.
1: Well, we have someone else who's going to take about this. We're going to be the... Oh,
0: fine. There's someone else. No!
1: <laughs> That's going to take the health question, which are the serious one. You don't want to take the serious one. No. No. You don't want to do the goofy one.
0: No. We try not to take ourselves too seriously, although our aim I- is to present real information. But we don't like to take ourselves too seriously. Why? Speak. Because we're fools. No. Why? <laughs> fools. Because we think the kitchen should be fun. We think cooking should yeah. be fun, and you shouldn't be afraid of your kitchen get in there and have fun and cook for your family and friends and yourself. And yeah. not just sweat it too much.
1: And you know, if you want to have fun in your kitchen, is if that kitchen is stressing you out, you should invite people to cook with you. You oh. know, it makes the kitchen much more...
0: I was going to say change the color scheme, but <laughs> change the right. color. Inviting people in is refill, probably more practical.
1: Refill your wine bottle. Yes. That helps a lot.
0: Wine. It's been making people better cooks for <laughs> 10,000 years. <laughs> So I thought we should start with a question that is a good question to start oh, wait, the show with. Wait. What? 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 I have an idea. Uh-oh. This is, this is never good.
1: <laughs> it never ends up I work. thought
0: I smelled something
1: burning. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's your idea? It's gone. Damn. Thank you. <laughs> it's all gone now. How about we introduce ourselves? Oh, why? Good idea. We, why? Why should they listen to us? Ah. I mean, why? Maybe they have nothing else to do, but honestly... Aside from our rapier-like wit and... <laughs> <laughs> honeyed voices. <laughs> we've been in the business. I've personally been in the business for 41 years. I'm a chef instructor. I'm a co-owner of Kitchen on Fire with uh, my business partner, Lisa Miller. And I've been doing that for a long time. Uh, James and I, we've, I've worked at Cesar, uh, the tapas place next door to Kitchen on Fire and chipanis And it's called the gourmet ghetto, And I'm going to let Mr. James describe the gourmet just because so you can understand his English. Which yes.
0: Which is I know. Yeah, my English is a little hard to understand. (laughs) Uh, The Gourmet Ghetto is a section of North... talk
1: talk about yourself first. Myself? If you don't mind. You know, like you talk about yourself every day, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Nice the chance.
0: (laughs) Well, my name is James Melgren. I'm a food writer. I started in the food industry in retail. I was a buyer for many years at Dean & DeLuca in New York City back in the early days. And uh, that job not only was very interesting in and of itself, but it also afforded me an opportunity to travel throughout the United States and Europe, going to trade shows and factories and markets and uh, shops and and really learning about
1: food. You're saying you know food.
0: I'm saying that I like to travel on other people's money. I'm
1: <laughs> Does food know you when it sees you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, I made the seg. And I also I also worked in wholesale and importing. I imported a lot of stuff for Dean and Deluca, and I started a cheese importing company after that. But I gradually made the segue into writing about food. And uh, for the last twenty years or so, I've been writing for a group of trade magazines for the specialty food industry.
1: He's been writing stuff over and over and over.
0: Yeah, same sentence. I'm (laughs) going to do it until I get it right. I'm very (laughs) meticulous. And speaking of writing, Olive and I wrote two books together.
1: Right, published. Uh, We
0: wrote the César (laughs) cookbook, which was called César, Recipes from a Tapas Bar. And we followed that up by a book that was all about the bar, about spirits and cocktails Mm -hmm. with a very clever title, The The Bar. (laughs) that was clever yeah they were brilliant books uh, destined to become classic
1: (laughs) the point is we have we have a point (laughs) 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 look I found it we're talking about expertise and it's very difficult to basically say we're expert in a domain or not it's easy
0: to say listen we're experts in our domain. <laughs> and See we how easy that was?
1: And we are. Together, we have hundreds of years of experience. And we have lots of opinions. We do have opinions. But we have a lot of knowledge and lots of experience in the food. So we're going to answer those questions with what we think is best through our experience. And just like anybody else, it takes an expert to contradict an expert. So please bring it in.
0: That's right. And we're going to share that information with you as we answer these questions uh, over the next, um, oh, what, 20 years? We're going
1: to be 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. So now you can start your question.
0: That leads me to our first question, which is also a little bit about us. And that is someone (laughs) asked, how did you start cooking and how did you learn to cook? So Olive, how did you learn to cook? I uh, Most Americans think that French people were born knowing how to cook. Is that true? Did you, I was were not, you born with a, I instead was, of a silver spoon, you were born with a wooden spoon?
1: I was born, I remember that very well. My mom and my grandmother and all my aunts, they all cook. So I learned through watching them. And then later on, when I started to work with my mommy at 15 years old, uh, she had a restaurant in Paris. Then I, I started to literally work in restaurant and learn you know techniques and stuff. After that, I moved to Aix-en-Provence, learned how to be a pizzaiolo. Then it was just from restaurant to restaurant, and I worked with really cool chefs. The last, uh, then I came to America and I worked at La Toc. I don't know if you remember La Toc, which it's still very, exists.
0: Very famous.
1: This still exists today. It's and still I- there. In Napa. Oh, oh. Ken Frank. Oh. That was really good. I was 20 years old. But this was when it was in Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, you know, it was the, the, I think the top, it's California cuisine in the beginning. Huh. So we had all the stars and I was hired there because I spoke French. So there was no, I didn't know anything, but I spoke French. So the owner loved me. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I, I, I had to learn how to make cocktails then.
0: Well, we talked about, we've talked before how, everyone thought because you could pronounce all the names, yeah, all the brandies and, that's the, true. and the French wine, that they assumed you were an expert
1: on them. They did, that's exactly.
0: And, and in fact, all it meant was that you could read.
1: All it means is I can read labels. That's what it means. <laughs> <laughs> so the, sometimes the book cover can be deceitful. Don't judge a book
0: by a cover, but you can con <laughs> people into thinking you know something with a good cover.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, interesting. So that's So that's how I started. So basically I started, I didn't go to school, if that's what you're asking. Well, we
0: all assumed you didn't go to school.
1: <laughs> <laughs> because of my English. <laughs> Don't let that fool you. <laughs> what well, about you? I, I know st-
0: I knew you cook. I do cook. Um, I know how to cook. Um, I started cooking young, but I started baking before I learned to cook. I grew up in a house where we didn't have a lot of store bought snacks in the house. So when I came home after school, if I wanted a treat, I had to make it myself. That's pretty cool. huh? And I had my brother and I had the Betty Crocker for kids cookbook. And that is that's my first cookbook. And I learned to make a variety of mostly mostly desserts, some savory foods. And then my brother and i started we would occasionally get up on sunday morning and cook breakfast for the family we'd make bacon and eggs and pancakes and all that kind of stuff and um just went on from there and, and i never i never took it particularly seriously until right. i grew up and suddenly was living on my own and i didn't couldn't afford to eat out every night i didn't want to eat junk food i didn't want to eat fast food so i wanted to eat the kind of food i wanted to eat so i
1: learned to cook that's great I mean you know it's great Betty Crocker is an interesting book it's it's a it's a good starter yeah. book
0: Yeah my mother had the the big serious Betty, Betty Crocker the grown up book. one Yeah I think I think she got it as a wedding wow. gift which somebody was trying to tell her so something she, <laughs> she got married then. <laughs> It might have been from my father
1: <laughs> <laughs> So i will marry you <laughs> But, I but my sc- ba-
0: my father was a good cook too he had certain specialties that he did I mean I mean they were very basic cooks it was I grew up in the Midwest was very meat and potatoes Sunday we always had we usually had a pot roast sometimes my father would make his chicken and dumplings which was nice and uh, my father also made candy at Christmas time he would make fudge and this interesting white candy called divinity
1: which I don't
0: know if you've ever heard of that I don't
1: know nope never heard of that one
0: (laughs) (laughs) he only did it at Christmas he only did it once a year he'd make a bunch of it and it was gone
1: Some people don't cook at all. Yeah. Which we're gonna change that. And that's why we have this cooking school. We're
0: gonna change it one. Kitchen on fire.
1: Yeah, one cook at the time and one recipe at a time. Did you go through the whole book? Uh, I I, I
0: did, I okay. did. And then later I went through I used to I used to cook my way through uh, Julia Child's mastering the art of French. Oh cookie. wow. I mean, I didn't go entirely through it, and I only had volume one in those days. but I learned oh, to cool. do a lot of things in that. book. yeah no, it mean, taught me how to do an omelette. It taught me how to wow. roast a chicken. omelette
1: is a hard one. We'll talk about omelette because this is difficult for people and it's easy.
0: It's easy, but it's also a kind of a benchstone to yeah. measure a, 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 a person's skill. skills. Yeah,
1: especially the chefs. <laughs>
0: especially the chefs.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, so just family, I guess. Huh? We we did on on our own, and then we did it on were, our own. We, but
0: I but I also learned, it, especially when I lived in New York, and got to know a lot of chefs through the through the business i learned a lot about cooking from watching yeah. professional chefs so i
1: did that too but at the beginning when i didn't i didn't have any exposure to be in the kitchen i was mostly in the dining room or bartender or what and then what i did is if i wanted to do something i would completely break it down and cook each ingredient one at a time and then i would mix it up mm. at the end so that's how i learned how to make ratatouille. The ratatouille. The I cook everything separately huh. until I understood what goes together and how to. And then I put back to it, put it back, cook it a little more and then done. And yeah, I've, interesting. Done that, I've done that several times until I got it. Huh. Now I can cook the ratatouille like my mom. Because every time I, I was asking her for the recipe over the phone, uh, it's very mm. vague. It's like a handful of that, medium heat, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So there's no recipe, so you have to figure it out. And that's how you learn with your family, you know? Yeah. There's no, there's no... Well, I'm sure,
0: I'm sure like so many of those provincial recipes in France, if you ask 10 people from Provence for their recipe for ratatouille, you you get get 20, you you get get 20 recipes. (laughs) You get 20 different recipes, yeah.
1: (laughs) That question was answered. The answers? Yes. The answer is yes. Yes. And we all agree, which is going to be very rare, I like mine more medium, rare. <laughs> I like mine answered right now. <laughs> good. Very so this, good. This is a good question. We're off to a running start. Let's ask this question again.
0: <laughs> Here's another question. And um, this one's also, you know, kind of a basic question. Is it uh, food related? It is cooking related. So yes. Uh, several people asked this and they asked it this way. What are the three most <laughs> <This> important <way. laughs> What are the three most important <laughs> techniques? To learn first—that's okay. an interesting question, because I think people love to quantify things. They want to know.
1: They you know, want to put a number on it, yeah. like these three. Is there
0: three? Is there six? Or, you know, how how do I start? So, what do you think about that? What are are I there are there three techniques to learn first, or obviously there's.
1: There's more than that, or less. It depends so basically um
0: but you have to start somewhere you have so. to start
1: somewhere so if i would start somewhere that would be uh i would do knife skill as a first understanding you have to cut your vegetables or your stuff properly so everything cooks evenly then i would go into understand how to just saute stuff on the pan you know saute stir fry and after that you need to, if you're interested in more, then you need to have a kind of, uh, you need to train yourself. Let me let me back up here. When you learn how to beep. cook, <laughs> beep, beep. <laughs> when you learn how to cook, you have to experiment a lot. You need a little bit of techniques. Knife skill is important. Then saute and stir fry. And after that, you can go into all the other ones, like mm-hmm. roasting, braising, you know, frying. This is what comes later. Once you once you monitor a little bit, then you can go in the in the next no realm, way. I would say.
0: Now, what do you think about, you can buy almost anything pre-prepared. You can buy carrots that are chopped up. You can buy minced garlic and onion. And, you know, of course you can go to a good butcher and have the butcher cut up your meat for you, cut the chicken into pieces.
1: And it's great. It's very helpful. Uh, There's some stores that sell all the stuff cut. The cut vegetable, they will last few days. It's not an issue. And if you really, really don't have time, then you can do that. They're not gonna be as healthy. Obviously, because you cut through the, the cell walls that are exposed to oxygen and light, they'll, cut, they'll damage. It's not a big deal. Again, I'm just saying this is, you know, not as awesome as when you freshly cut them. And one important thing I don't like about cut vegetables is you never know when they cut them. So that's my right. problem. It's not the, the cut vegetables itself. It's the fact that cutting vegetables is not that difficult. Right. And you just, you know, I mean, it takes five to 10 minutes to, to make your, your, your prep. But again... This I, is if it makes you cook. Just and I think,
0: it. yeah, I think if time's an issue and that makes it easier for you yeah. to come home and, and throw dinner together, then that's fine. I still think you should make an effort to learn some basic knife skills because someday you're going to find yourself at a farmer's market or somewhere and you're not going to have access to, to pre-cut yeah. vegetables. Ooh.
1: And also that cut vegetables don't make me come home early. <laughs> yeah, like <right>. Beer does.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would also say that if you're going to buy pre-cut, vegetables like that you should buy them from a store that you yeah. feel pretty sure that they have a big turnover that they sell a lot of that right stuff, because so then the, they're going to be fresh you mean a busy yeah store. someplace like you know trader joe's and whole foods or if you have a local well, I'm market a big, i'm not a
1: big trader person but yeah but if but for, if for produce
0: but, but but they sell they sell a lot of that stuff so i think they turn it over quickly <laughs> mm-hmm. I, where where it gets cut that's another issue right, i mean right. is it a thousand miles away i don't know but if you have a local market that you feel turns a, you know does a volume in that kind of stuff then that's then that's fine yes. but it's not an excuse for not learning how to use a knife
1: yeah i mean it's so easy you know and what you're also what paying you get a
0: premium it? for that you're paying you're basically paying for someone to cut your vegetables so some
1: people don't care about the money it's not the money yeah. issue but the on, but the truth is it's going to be healthier the, those veggies that you cut right when you process them are going to be healthier and uh they're going to be they they hold better flavor because they're not cut
0: also it gives you the option of going to a farmer's market yeah, or places this is where, where you, you could get really good organic vegetables. And well, so
1: that brings the place. issue that a lot of my students, they say they hate shopping.
0: They hate shopping.
1: Yeah. So yeah. I, this is, you know, in this case, then you buy your vegetable cut, that's okay. It's much better than eating canned food or processed food regardless. So yes, please go for it. Well, you
0: know, there's also the the CSAs. The yeah,
1: this is really, really good. Uh, the CIA?
0: box. Of, yeah. <laughs> FBI. A box of vegetables is, it, you pick it up each week and so you yeah. don't have to, you just, and, and it's sort of a surprise. You open it up and...
1: Actually, we'll, we'll talk about CSA box at some point to see how to, yeah. you know, it, because a lot of time people say, oh my God, there's stuff in there. I don't know what that is. Yeah, my uh, my daughter, her her one of her best friends,
0: has a farm where they they do a CSA and the box comes with, of course, a variety of vegetables and fruits, but also they de- have their little newsletter inside mm. and it talks about what's gone on at the farm that week it's uh, yeah. of importance. It that's talks great. about what's what's in season, talks about the vegetables a little bit. And then she always has two or three recipes for some of the major ingredients in the box. So it's really uh, okay, a- cool, really cool, cool. nice. Really nice. Yes, great so it's so, fun and it's fun to open it up and you know we can, oh this, we, no
1: we, I, lo- I love I mean this is really cool and plus it's, it's completely fresh and it's beautiful stuff it's beautiful oh stuff my God.
0: and it's picked that morning and delivered oh, to a spot and you go and pick up the box And so what was
1: what was the question you you made you have two questions in there that's going to be confusing
0: yeah, well the question was what are the three most important techniques to learn first and I think
1: we're going to stick to two which is knife skill and basic you know little cooking with a pan yeah. And I think the most important thing is to just get
0: into the kitchen.
1: Yeah. And if you find the kitchen, <laughs>
0: you know, and, and one of the first things that I started cooking a lot when I first went to New York was, I mean, besides like roasting a chicken or something was I cooked a lot of pasta. Yeah. And, yeah, let's you see. know pasta is so easy, but, but it also involves sauté techniques right. because almost everything that I put on the pasta, I had yeah, to sauté Yeah, but that, first. the
1: problem is that's what people do. They just cook pasta and they're done. Um, right. I, I, I would. So yes, so the, question, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Yes! And then you ask me about cut vegetables. Sure, why not? Sure, why not? You know? But you should still what learn how to use a knife. Yeah.
0: If nothing else, it's a good way to defend yourself.
1: Uh, James, do you have, actually, do you have a question we can make fun of? <laughs>
0: <laughs> why do we need a question to do that? <laughs> um, <laughs> I do have another question that okay. I think is a good question for I a, for question? our opening episode. And it's uh, it's an important question. And the question is, what is mise en place? And why is it important?
1: Mm. So, there, must, there must be some type of French.
0: Uh, yeah. So should we move on? Yeah. No, you're French. What does mise en place mean?
1: <laughs> mise en place means literally put in place Uh aha so it's basically you cut all your stuff portion all your ingredients spices salt pepper i mean salt and pepper you don't but the rest all your fats for cooking oil butter whatever it's all ready to go everything is portioned up clean your station and then you get all the knives away and then you can start cooking that's mise en place
0: it's a concept that comes from the restaurant world where if you're a line cook and you're right. going to be cooking a lot of different dishes you have all of the ingredients that you're going to need to cook any of these dishes all prepared in the form that you're going to need them in either diced right. or sliced or, or whatever and that's all in front of you so when the orders come in yeah. you know we're doing you know we're doing the the duck now okay i've got everything i need to do this recipe in a home kitchen of course you're not cooking to order well you may be if you have kids yeah. <laughs> But it's, it's the idea of getting everything prepped in advance so that when you start cooking, right. you don't have to stop to do that.
1: So in a restaurant, often the prep person is not the chef or the right. chef is not the prep person. So what I mean is it could be the chef prepping or uh, someone else, but usually it's not the same person that prep and cook. Right. So the prep is done before hours before, two, three, four hours, depending on the restaurant. Then the next shift, the next staff comes and they have to have the prep really well ready because you don't take your knife out unless you're gonna cook some meat, but on but you don't cut vegetables. You do not cut right. raw food when the service is on.
0: Right. You're not you're not dicing onions during service. No,
1: no, no, no. Unless the prep was poorly done and it's <laughs> missing and then in which case get somebody's
0: probably gonna be in trouble the next day. <laughs> yeah and it depends on the size of the restaurant too exactly who i remember in the uh, my old pal mario batali in his first (laughs) restaurant that he owned on his own poe was called across the street from my apartment and he was it he had a he had a dishwasher who helped out with some things but otherwise mario did everything so he would come in
1: in the morning he would do all his own prep,
0: and he cooked every dish that came out of the kitchen yeah that's what happened when you stopped
1: When you start by yourself, when you start a restaurant, you are usually with one or two or three people, and that's that's it. Yeah, he had a partner, Steve,
0: who who ran the front of the house. Right. And Mario was in the kitchen, and it was about a, I think it was about a 40, 45-seat restaurant on Cornelius Street. That's how I started, yeah. Fabulous little place, and the food was amazing. But, of course, in a bigger restaurant where you've got a bigger staff and a bigger kitchen, then you typically have a prep staff that comes in and does all that.
1: So that's Mise for you. Mise is called Mise en Place. It's called Mise. That's a restaurant term. And this is what you need to do. And this is the first class at Kitchen on Fire. There's a 12-week series, basic series. And the first class is Knife Skill Mise en Place. This is really, really important. All right. So the answer is? The answer is yes. So the answer is yes. Yes! So let's move on. Okay, so Jim, can you do just the tip? (laughs) Please. I beg your pardon. <laughs>
0: now, we're going to offer some tips in every episode. And uh, I have a tip for you. It's a uh, midnight racer in the third. <laughs> no, that's a different tip.
1: <laughs> this a di- is a, a different color.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Here's a tip about cooking chilies. When I was learning to cook in New York, I loved cooking with chilies. And I still do. And I love adding heat to food. And...
1: I like to add food to heat. It's called cooking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's such a myriad variety yeah. of chilies out there to cook. Cook with Right. but I learned very early on that you got to be careful when you're cooking chilies because what happens? You mean cutting? Yeah, when you're cutting them up and doing prep and moving them around, and then suddenly you forget and you rub your eye or you
1: you go go to the bathroom.
0: Yeah, uh, suddenly you're in a lot of pain. Ah! You know, in the restaurant business, when they w- the person who's doing all the prep for the chili's cutting up a lot of chilies, they wear rubber gloves, and then they just throw them away so that they don't, you know, get it in their on their or face at least, or their eyes.
1: At least they throw it away before they rub their eyes. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's my tip. Good tip. Good and, tip. And just and I would say just cut water. your
0: chilies. Do that do that in advance, and then go wash your hands if you're not using rubber gloves.
1: So you need to wash your hand with soap because yeah. uh, capsaicin, the compound that the spicy stuff, is a fat soluble. Ah. So water won't do it. So the fat is. Uh, that's why you drink milk when you have or milk or fat or some type of, of fat because right. uh, you can also drink sugar to stop the this intense heat.
0: Yeah. Water is not no. a good idea. No. It f- might feel good at the time, but as soon as you're done drinking, no, she doesn't. <laughs> yeah. And then it just all it does really is spread the heat throughout your mouth and when yeah. you're really on fire. <laughs> like you're real but you know, as as That's a good one. As Lawrence as Lawrence of Arabia once said, you just have to learn to love the pain.
1: No So, uh how about you? You got a tip. How about you, yeah. You got any advice? I get a tip. Never look straight in the sun.
0: Now you tell me.
1: Uh, My tip is how to store vegetables. So let's say you get some vegetables from the farmer's market. You come home. If you do not need your veggies the same day, then don't wash them right away. Put them in your fridge. You have to separate the bananas, the apples from everything else. So basically the apples and the bananas, the apples I can keep in the fridge, the bananas do not go in the fridge. No. The tomatoes do not go in the fridge. Everything else you can go in the fridge and make sure, basically, if you put your apples, they are in a, in a bag because they will ripen everything else around. And banana do that too. Mm-hmm. So if you want to ripen something...
0: Bananas exude a, a gas...
1: Just like your apples, That actually, will
0: quickly, quickly uh, ripen other fruits around it. So if you leave them in a, in a bowl with a bunch of other fruits, everything's going to super ripen and go bad. Well, that's how
1: you ripen stuff. Sometimes you put a banana in a paper bag with other stuff in there that you need to ripen like apples or avocados Avocados, let's say avocados yeah this is a gas called ethylene it's just a natural plant hormone uh, released in form of gas yeah Uh, what it does it triggers the cells to degrade uh, turn sweeter softer or the buds to sprout and such right so you have two types of fruits. It's mostly fruits, okay, that are sensitive to that. You have the ethylene-producing food. You know all the apples, bananas, avocados, apricots, blueberries. There's a bunch. Green onions do that. Grapes, honeydew, But just give you the most, the most uh, common: nectarines, peaches, pears, persimmons, potatoes do that. Tomatoes. Yeah. And then you have the ethylene-sensitive food, which they respond very fast to ethylene. So that would be asparagus, banana, when they're unripe, blackberries, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, carrot, cauliflower, chard, cucumber, all this stuff. You know, eggplant, green beans, leafy greens, leeks, kale, you know, sweet potatoes, strawberries. So this is it. That's uh, that's how it works. So one next to each other will make the other one ripen. Ooh. So the bananas have to be ripe in order to be ethylene producing. And when they are not ripe, unripe, they are very sensitive to ethylene.
0: So is it a salad when it comes out of the bag?
1: (laughs) It's like, it's weird if you leave it too long. Actually, it looks more like a soup than a salad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Also, here's here's something I learned recently that you should always if you're storing carrots and you buy them at the farmer's market and they have those beautiful greens attached, you should remove those. Well, always. Because it's sucking out of the carrots. The carrots continue to feed those greens if they're attached. Right. So
1: you lose flavor in the carrots. So you have to look at the direction where the water goes. Right. So if you look at carrots, radish, beets, yeah. all those guys, you need to remove the greens immediately, like yeah. tear it down. Yeah. But you look at tomatoes, you see the water feeds. Feeds so, them. So you can leave that. Right. So you have to look at where the is going. Yeah. And yes, you have to remove those things immediately because the root is going to keep feeding the plants and it's going to dry out. Yeah. So yes, good point. Yeah. I'm surprised. Ooh. I do know a
0: thing or yeah. two, But don't throw Stop. those beet greens away because those are good to cook. They are... They
1: we can talk about it another time, and my mom never used them, and there's reason for that. And uh, it's basically because there's tons of oxalate acid, but we'll go over this little details okay. another time. All right. But that was a good tip. Thank you, thank you. Good point, actually, for the, the greens. This is important. Rem- yeah. Remember that. So that's it, so that's for, it our, for this week. That's our world premiere. Oh, my God. And uh, we hope you'll I'm join sorry. us again. We thank
0: you for joining us today. Yeah. And in the meantime, till (laughs) next week, you know what? Get in the kitchen, cook, have fun. Don't be afraid of your kitchen.
1: Have fun in there.